This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. You know, gentlemen, let's do a quick survey here off the top just to confirm for those who might be new to Cardinals Underground, uh, married or not married. Show of hands here. Everybody raising their hand. Married. Spoken for. Okay. So I think you're qualified, even though none of us has ever made an offseason list in terms of wants and needs of an NFL franchise. I do believe we're all familiar with lists. Are we not? Everyone not accordingly. Uh, if you want to take the fifth and not say anything at all, uh, that's up to you and will be understood inherently, implicitly in this. The one difference I figure between the task maybe that a Steve Kime has in the offseason is that his list ultimately, whether he likes it or not, by constraints of the salary cap or not, is finite. Has any married man's list ever, ever been anything other than infinite? Isn't there always something on the list from the misses? As once again, I give you guys a chance to respond or not respond here on Cardinals Underground, Pacific Office Automation, Kyle Odegaard, Paul Calvisi, and Darren Urban actually looks like he wants to speak. <laughs> so it's funny you mention that because uh, my wife and I just reached that watershed part in our marriage where we have formally decided to uh, issue former formal gifts on big holidays and turn it into we're going to do something for the house and or a vacation or something so like we just replaced all the ceiling fans for valentine's day very very romantic uh you know we're going to get new new uh shutters for the the back door we got a we got a bunch of stuff we want to do so uh yeah the list the and that list uh already when once she once we decided on this she made the, the list out. So I think we're covered probably through 2027 in terms of things we need to do on all the major holidays. So yeah, that's good. Darren, you're getting dangerously close to the Will Ferrell scene in old school. Uh, got a pretty good little Saturday, Home Depot, Bed Bath & Beyond. That, that was reminiscent of that scene right there, the difference between a married man and a bunch of frat kids. I, I am not going streaking. I am not going streaking. <laughs> Snoop, Snoop Loop, Kyle, what do you got? I've definitely hit that point in my life where I'm excited to plant stuff and water stuff and go to Home Depot. <laughs> it hits you hard when you're in your 30s now, and it's like, okay, I have no wow. interest in going to the bars anymore. It's all about painting and doing stuff like that. And my wife and I recently had our anniversary, and that was it. We're like, should we get each other gifts? Okay, I'll buy you a nightstand on your side. You buy me a nightstand on my side. And there, we got something for each other for our anniversary. I do, I do want to clarify something, Paul. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you in on this because I think all three of us, you said none of us have ever made a list for an NFL team. I think we've probably all made lists 
in an offseason for the NFL team. Now, the NFL team isn't necessarily listening to us, but we've all made those lists. Oh, you, you made lists, but you, you've never made the decisions, I guess. And, Correct. and right about now, uh, Jim Omohundro is screaming off camera, stop it, you're killing the podcast. Stop talking about <laughs> nightstands and ceiling fans. And, uh, you know, would you please talk some football as you the, the, the sound of people clicking away right now is deafening. So I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go right for the jugular. I do have a Larry Fitzgerald theory that will be advanced in this episode of Cardinals Underground. I'm just going to tell you that right here, right now. Okay. That sounds There's like a tease. A, that's it. That's called a horizontal tease. And then uh, there, there, there will be a moral dilemma involving the Seahawks indirectly that I will need some advice on a little bit later. Uh, but that's, that's to come here and a full foreshadowing on Cardinals Underground. Kyle, getting back to the premise of my earlier story, um, there is a list. There are still a few items remaining on Steve Kimes' list. Once again, though, at some point, it's going to be finite because there's only so much you can do in the offseason, whether it's salary cap or otherwise. What is left? Tick off in, 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 in order of importance, where do you think the Cardinals still have some gains to be made in the offseason? Uh, one through five for me is cornerback because I think that's the spot you need. I, I, I'm not as worried as a lot of other people about a running back. I think you've got Chase Edmonds and you can make it work with somebody on a minimum salary to be that other guy. I think at tight end, you've got Max Williams. It's not a premium position. You can make that work. The one premium position left with a hole, a major hole, or maybe two holes is cornerback. So that's where my emphasis is. Darren talked about making those lists earlier. Me and Paul did a debate this segment where I said cornerback was the biggest need in free agency and they haven't touched cornerback. So I clearly don't jive exactly with Steve Keim uh, and what he's thinking, but obviously that's a spot where I think they still need to do something. We'll see how much money they pay and who they get, whether it'll be a low cost veteran or if they can scrounge up more money, but I'm very interested to see what happens at corner. And yet Kyle was declared the winner. I'm still sore <laughs> over that. My protest is still pending and I'm going to rip that clip. I'm going to send it into the league office as further verification that I was ripped off <laughs> in, in the debate this. Because once again, the Cardinals have not addressed corner in free agency, as I surmise. Darren. Uh, well, I mean, just because they haven't uh, looked at it or done anything with it, I don't know if that means that Kyle's point was any less valid. <laughs> um, I, I got to be honest, I'm a little surprised they haven't addressed it, but I can understand it to a certain extent, which is um, I think they want to get younger there, which seems to point towards at least one draft pick. Uh, although I'm starting to get a little skittish about who might be there in the first round and if it's worth it uh, by the time they pick and who's going to be around. Um, and, I, and I do think there are still some guys out there on the market that probably are not quite to the mental frame of mind where they know they're going to have to take a lot less money than maybe they originally thought they were going to have to. I mean, there's been a couple of deals out there where whether it's Kyle Fuller, who's a very good cornerback, don't get me wrong, or uh, – Ettery Jackson, especially with the Giants, I mean, that that's way more money than they were ever going to spend on a cornerback. So it doesn't really bother me that they didn't chase somebody who, quite frankly, I don't know if is worth that kind of price tag. Doesn't mean it wouldn't have been an improvement what they had, but cost-benefit ratio plays into all this, Paul. And, and ultimately, that's what they've got to try and figure out. And 
the salary cap is such a moving target right now in terms of understanding us understanding on the outside really what the Cardinals are working with. Um, but I'm thinking there are still guys out there that you still will be able to get maybe in a week or two, or when we get closer to the draft, when these guys start realizing, Hey, if I wait till after the draft, my, uh, my options are going to be a lot less and I better get on a team now. Well, two things. Number one, if you go into the draft as currently constructed, that is way too much of a tell teams are going to know and realize you need a corner bad. It is not a case of best position player available you need a corner and they're going to be really apt to jump in front of you if they want a corner or it might mandate you have to trade up just to try and uh, avoid anyone jumping in front of you that, that'd be my first takeaway on that number two uh, another show of hands here Steve Kime this week said don't panic when asked about the cornerback position uh who's with them and who is ready to panic because I'm about this close to being poly panic at this point Kyle well I agree with him because the issue is you can throw a lot of money at a cornerback and it might look good on paper, but we've seen free agent deals fall apart quickly and a guy not live up to it and then get cut. So it's, it's better to not dream that somebody's going to work out and give him money, even though your gut is telling you not to, it makes more sense to wait. And then like we've been talking about these guys that are still on the market, you're going to be able to get a veteran cornerback for three or $4 million. Probably that's a decent starter. So did you want to pay 12 or 13 for a guy who you don't think is a star or do you want to pay less for somebody who you think is serviceable? And it's, it's a gamble. I agree. We're sitting here in late March and we don't know who their two outside corners are going to be. Maybe Robert Alford is one of those. Maybe he's not. Um, but maybe there are enough options between the, the kind of the decreased free agent market for these players. Steve Kai mentioned the trade possibility, the draft, there are different ways to find guys. So we'll see what happens. I don't think it's a complete freak out mode, but certainly they need to do something at the position. I, I would make the point here too, that, you know, what, if you're watching this team, what are the expectations at cornerback in terms of, of what you're expecting? Okay. They're not getting Patrick Sertan at 16. He is not going to be there. And he might be, he might be the only guy in this draft who could be Patrick Peterson-esque in terms of right away. And let's remember, Patrick Peterson wasn't Patrick Peterson his rookie year anyways. And there's nobody on the market, even guys who have already signed, that is Patrick Peterson in his prime. You're not getting a Patrick Peterson in, your, in his prime number one cornerback this year. You're not. This team made a Super Bowl with Rod Hood and a rookie Dominique Rogers Cromarty, who wasn't even necessarily starting every week, and and who Eric Green. I'm trying to remember who was on the necessarily on the other side that year in 2008. I mean, that was DRC was up and coming, but that was not a star-studded cornerback group in the least. And I love Rod Hood, but he's just wasn't that guy. And they made it work. And uh, and I think. They've gone in different directions. They've tried to build up their lines on both sides of the ball this offseason, and they're going to have to take a step back at cornerback a little bit, and I think that's another reason not to panic because the difference at this point between going and getting the guy right this second who might cost a lot more and the guy in a week or two that might cost a little bit less is not worth the difference in money probably. 
So, Darren, translation, the Cardinals are hosed. Is that what you're saying? There's no <laughs> chance of getting a number one corner at this point. Is that what you're saying? They can't get one in free agency because they're all gone and or they can't afford what's out there or they're 30 years plus. And number two, Patrick Sertan isn't falling to 16. So the Cardinals are going to play 2021 without a number one corner. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, w- when you talk about the definition of a number one, first of all, there's a lot of teams out there that don't play with a number one corner. There aren't there are not 32 number one corners in this league. In my opinion, there are guys that are the best cornerback on their team. But if you take a guy and you say, this guy is a number one corner that I have no problem putting up against Deandre Hopkins this week and Julio Jones next week and Odell Beckham the next week, how many of those guys are out there? Six, seven, 10. I mean, most teams don't have that. So that just happens to be where the Cardinals are. And they, they were lucky to have one of those guys for a number of years. I hit the pause button. I'm going to call Vance Joseph. Uh, zone coverages this year, Coach. Uh, zone coverages, apparently. That's what we're – I'm not I, saying I, that. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, and, and, I, and I'll say this. You know, Jonathan Joseph came in at the end of last year, and he flashed a little bit. Of course, he got injured very quickly. Um, you know, is Patrick Sertan really the only corner in the draft that could pull a DRC where maybe you don't rely on him for the first couple months of the season, but by the end of the season and the postseason, he was a legit number one corner. I, I mean, just ask, uh, you know, in the Carolina Panthers game, right? And I mean, just, I mean, he, he was excellent. What's the name of the quarterback that's escaping me Take now? For, thank you. Thank you. Because he was never the same since. It's because he fell off the map after the five interception and one fumble game against the Cardinals in the uh, divisional round jack stomping the cardinals put on carolina at their place but can you find you know a jc horn who's been associated with the cardinals quite a bit uh the virginia tech kid who's now going to need back surgery hello he's most definitely going to fall to number 16 i would say after that bit of medical news uh you know i i am curious in fact mel kuyper just came out with 3.0 today and jc horn there he is the corner from south carolina kyle is associated with the cardinals at 16 overall jc horn is I think by far the name most commonly linked to the Cardinals because he's supposed to be drafted in that 10 to 20 range. And as we've talked about, the Cardinals have a humongous need for an outside corner and he's pretty big guy. He can play the press man coverage. Uh, I I talked to him on Tuesday. He did a pro day interview and asked him about the Cardinals. And he said, I, I watched Patrick Peterson and Tyra Matthew and Gerard powers. And I liked what the Cardinals did. I'd be excited to go there. Obviously those guys are gone. um, But the scheme is similar, even though it's a different defensive coordinator now where they do play that press man. And I think he fits what they're looking for in a cornerback. So I think if he's available, obviously that pairing would make a lot of sense. Uh, Going back to the no number one corner debate, Cardinals last season didn't really have a number one corner. I mean, Patrick Peterson was on the team, but I don't think he played the way a shutdown number one corner does. And some games, the Cardinals were really good against the pass and some games they were really bad against the pass. There was a lot of high variance in the secondary last season. And I think that is part of the cornerback issue because sometimes they were good and sometimes they weren't. And you might have that if you don't have very good corners, but another part of it is the pass rush. And, when the pressure was getting there against the Giants and some other teams, it obviously makes it easier on that back end. So 
I think the Cardinals need to do as much as they can to get good cornerbacks because I think it's a premium position. And if you do go in without a clear number one and have two serviceable veterans that aren't great like you did last year, that pass rush needs to get there because I think we saw last year both the good part of a defense without good cornerbacks and the bad part of it. So I think the Cardinals could go one of two ways depending on what happens next season. And honestly, if there's a premier pass rusher at 16, like the kid out of Michigan who's getting a lot of props right now, even beyond the Miami product, uh, I'm not so sure that Steve Kime, I mean, look, there's having a quarterback and there's getting to the quarterback. And to me, those are the two premium things you need in this league. And even with where the Cardinals are right now and and J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones, let's not forget Chandler Jones in the last year of his deal, and it's no guarantee there's going to be a contract extension. So, heck, there may not be a premier corner in free agency, and there might not be an elite corner taken in the first round. And, And to your point, Darren, you're right. That wouldn't be unlike a lot of other teams who have had to deal with that. The problem is, you really need three, maybe four corners, legit corners, to be a serviceable defense in this league. You may not have the elite all-pro or Pro Bowl corner as your number one, but you better have a pretty good depth, three or four deep. And we've learned that over the last five years. Well, I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. And, and I, you know, I think the reality is right now, I'm like, again, this goes back to not panicking. Um, but, you know, we're, we're here in late March. If we get to the, like you said, if we get to the draft and the Cardinals haven't signed anybody, that's a huge red flag to me. But I don't think that that's what's going to happen. I think over the next two to three weeks, they're going to sign a veteran or two, probably on one-year deals, names that we've probably heard of in some way, shape, or form. Um, And these guys are going to want jobs and they're going to be willing to come here because they know there's playing time available. And the Cardinals are going to be willing to sign them because they desperately need them. And, and, and you'll be in a little bit better of a place that if you don't draft one, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But it, right now it feels a little bit, obviously Patrick Peterson didn't retire uh, like Carson Palmer did, but it feels a little bit of like where they were right after Carson Palmer retired at quarterback, which is, you know, Byron Murphy was the pick a couple of years ago, but let's face it, they have not put a lot into draft stock with cornerbacks, especially with high picks. And I think we're starting to get to that point where you're starting to feel it a little bit. Um, you know, you went for a number of years where you said Patrick is the anchor and we have a really good guy over there. And then you'd find a pretty good guy most of the years in free agency, where there was Antonio Cromartie or uh, Marcus Cooper or Gerard Powers or uh, Tremont Williams. They, they were able to pull it out of their butts and, and find somebody that would work over there. And, but you don't have the one anchor anymore. And when you're searching for two and we don't know what Robert Alford gives you, it puts you in a much more precarious situation because you're right, Paul. You, you're going to need you're gonna need at least three, if not four. And that's assuming nobody gets hurt. So Hey, for, forget my opinion on that. I actually meant to follow up with you, Kyle. Any other takeaways from that Zoom session with J.C. Horn? I see Mel Kuyper at his pro day says he ran a 4-3-9. So, I mean, pretty good. I mean, not we're not talking a 4-2 guy, but, I mean, good enough to be in elite corner. Yeah, 4-3-9 is plenty fast. It, was that Horn? Because I think he might be running tomorrow. Was that Sertan? That was yeah. supposedly it was Horn, according to ESPN's Matt okay. Miller. He, he ran a 4-3-9, if I'm seeing this correctly. Yeah, if that's, if that's right, then that's a, a, a great time for any cornerback. I mean, 
four three four four speed is plenty fast enough even even against these good um, wideouts. But yeah, I, I think what stood out to me is he's the son of Joe Horn. He's got brothers. I think he's just comes from a very competitive family, and his brothers play wideout, and his dad played wideout in the NFL. But he said his dad told him to, to go play corner because if you can cover and if you've got ball skills, you're going to make a lot of money one day. And <laughs> it seems like it's it was a pretty prophetic idea. He said his um, JC was kind of aggressive, had some aggression when he was younger, and his dad liked him on defense. And I think it helps having a, a dad that's gone through those type of things. And obviously having the genetics is, is a good thing. So he's... He's an intriguing guy. And going back to what Darren was saying about the idea of this being a, a nice landing spot for a free agent, that's that's a really good point where if you are one of those named free agents that didn't get the type of deal you wanted in free agency, that's a nice recruiting pitch for the Cardinals saying, we need a number one cornerback. You can come here, play for a season. We've got a pass rush that we think is going to be really good. We're playing press man. If you have a good season in this type of defense, you'll get paid next year. So I think that is uh, something where cornerbacks will look at this situation. That's something that they might want to join. All right, so a quick clarification, South Carolina's pro day is set for March 24, 24 hours from this recording, but he was recently timed, according to ESPN's Matt Miller, as a 439. Now, whether teams take that as official or not, I'm guessing they're going to rely on the pro day recording. So we'll see. We'll see what he runs there. Um, you know, but that's good to know because, you know, earlier today, uh, Paulie pinch hitter on the opening segment of the Red Sea Report, uh, ostensibly, allegedly, there were technical problems and Craig Grealu wasn't there to host the opening segment. I still think he was late to the stadium. The investigation <laughs> is pending. I'm not really sure, but I did the opening segment uh, out of nowhere. I had to scramble, get on uh, the headset and me and Bertram Barry, uh, we carried the show and uh, B train is of the opinion. It's Patrick Sertan and everyone else. So uh, it's good to know that perhaps JC Horn would be a, a good alternative at 16. If that indeed does develop in that manner to your point Darren doesn't look like the Alabama's Patrick Sertan is a is going to fall anywhere near the middle of the first round so um that's interesting what else though I mean if we're talking about tight end you know if, if we're talking um about uh, any other position right now out there for the Cardinals do, do you see any other dire needs uh, there was a cryptic comment from Steve Kime Darren about yeah give me a couple of weeks and there might be something developing on the tight end market he seems to know something we do not. So I'm wondering what exactly he has in mind there. See, I, I don't, you know, I, I heard the same thing. I, for me, I don't know if there's anything truly, you know, I, I, I've heard a couple of people talking about how Kime addressed all the needs in free agency. I think some of that had to do with the order in which the questions were presented. Uh, cornerback was the first thing he was asked about. So he went into super in-depth and he gave us all the lines about we're going to look in trade or we're going to look in free agency. We're going to look in the draft. Then he's later asked uh, about running back. And then he kind of goes into that a little bit and kind of reiterates the same thing. We're going to do those things. And then tight end was last. And then it's kind of like, well, you know, he could repeat all the same things he had already said, but, or he could just kind of cut it off again. They've got one tight end with, relative experience on the roster right now in Max Williams. At running back, they've got Chase Edmonds, and that's it within terms of experience. So I would expect both those positions as well as cornerback to be addressed with at least one veteran at some point. Um, obviously, Dan Arnold is left. He went to Carolina. 
So what do you do? You could bring back Darrell Daniels, who was very much up and down, had a couple of nice plays, struggled at other times, but I don't expect he's going anywhere. So you could always bring him back as a third guy if you needed him. Um, but again, as we move forward into free agency and as we get closer to the draft, there are still a lot of guys out there on the market that aren't going to get what they were expecting. And it's like going back to the cornerback. I mean, there are still a ton of venerated quarterbacks, cornerbacks out there that they're just not signed yet. And not everybody needs a cornerback anymore. And so you're going to have to, if you want to play, you're going to probably have to swallow something lesser than you were expecting. And I, I expect the same for running back or, or tight end. And, and you don't need, like Kyle was saying before about running back. I mean, you don't need somebody big. I mean, I, I personally think you need somebody with some size. And when I may say big, not a big name. I think you need somebody with a little bit of size to have on the roster. I don't know if he necessarily has to be your starter. Um, but I'm also of the ilk that I don't, I'm not a big fan of giving Chase Edmonds 25 touches a game either. I think that would lower his effectiveness. So I would like to see somebody who could do something that kind of takes the pressure off. Now, maybe that's Jonathan Ward, who they seem to like a little bit. Um, or we'll see what happens with Eno Benjamin. Um, you know, in a tight end, that's a bigger question, but like you guys were saying, I mean, it's not like they throw to the tight end a whole bunch. And and now that you've got Green and if you get Kirk into the slot perhaps and, and you still have Hopkins uh, and you want to get the ball to Chase Edmonds a little bit, I mean, I think it's a little less of a thing. And look, I realize they're down to five draft picks. Is, is that where it is, right? There, there's five draft picks at, at this point for this year's draft. So, I mean – Usually, typically, I would say, hey, man, you can get that rookie running back in the third or fourth round, and you know you can almost count on him to be a viable option to get a number of carries per game. You know, typically, to me, that's the one plug-and-play position historically and from college to the NFL is running back. But now with the draft picks you know, being uh, you know, of, of the utmost premium, what, the Cardinals don't have a third-rounder because that was part of the Rodney Hudson trade the fourth rounder part of the D hop trade or a six rounder as part of the Marcus golden trade in the New York giants. So yeah, that, by the way, as long as we, before you leave cornerback, so if we're to do the math and you figure, okay, Patrick Peterson got 8 million guaranteed based on the reports up to 10 million with incentives, you can at least sign two veteran corners currently on the market for that same money. Couldn't you Kyle? Isn't that realistic? And to Darren's point, that there's much more supply, perhaps, than demand, and maybe Steve Kimes just waiting it out, and with every passing day, the price comes down on some of these veteran corners, and I'm thinking you get two for the price of one in terms of what Patrick Peterson would have commanded. Yeah, I mean, Trey Kirkpatrick, I believe, signed for the minimum last season, and if you can get eight, and he's on the market himself, who's probably trying to get more money, but if you can get a serviceable cornerback like Drake Kirkpatrick last season wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. I think he came in and did a nice job all season long and, and filled a hole that they needed to fill. So I think it's just looking at what they were doing in training camp and bringing and rewinding it a few months where you're, you're not looking at the top of the market anymore. But I agree. Like if you sign a couple guys for between two and four million at this point with what happened with the cap, with where we are in free agency, 
I think you can find players that are capable of playing cornerback for that price. And we'll see if they go for a little bit more for one and then say we got Robert Alford and maybe we'll do a draft pick. I think that is maybe more likely because it, it would line up better. Um, but they could also grab two for three or $4 million and, and just see how it works out doing more of a depth approach. You say Drake Kirkpatrick, and this isn't fair. I automatically think of the penalty at Seattle, the taunting after the play, after the third down stop against DK Metcalf. And by the way, I have a DK Metcalf story a little bit later that ties into the, the Seahawks and, and morals question a little bit later. But I'm now going to advance. I'm now going to advance, gentlemen. Speaking of Patrick Peterson, my Larry Fitzgerald theory. And I might be showing my hand right about now. Is there any chance whatsoever? And just to get everybody up to date, I've had at least two dozen theories. Uh, we left you last episode of Cardinals Underground, and I surmise that because Larry was snowboarding, that means he's done because that's a violation of his contract. Someone then pointed out, well, he's not under contract, so he's not beholden to any of those contract parameters. I said, that's a pretty good point. That blows my <laughs> point out of the water. So I've had to move on. Uh, I'm wondering... Larry's going to play cornerback? Is that what you're about to say? Sort Don't of. say tight end. Don't say or, tight end. No, I saw that. Was that in your mailbag, Darren? Someone hit you up wanting Larry to play tight end? Was that, in, the mailbag? Was, or was that in my Twitter feed or is that everywhere? It was on Twitter and then I, I think it ended up in the mailbag perhaps. Okay. It was definitely on Twitter. Okay. Um, do you think there's any chance, I'll just say it, that Larry follows his good pal to his hometown? <laughs> do you think there's any chance that Larry – Follows Pat P, who's probably in Larry's place right now, keeping the lights on and make sure the, the pipes don't freeze, that maybe Larry goes back to the Vikings. Somehow, some way, that Vikings ball boy video got tweeted out recently. What was up with that? Where did that come <laughs> Man, from? You are, you are totally grassy knolling this. I mean, is there any chance that on one of those golfing off-season road trips, that Pappy and Larry took together that they decided, guess what? Let's continue to play together, but we'll just do it in Minnesota, your hometown. Why would it have taken this long? First of all, let's, let's back up to Patrick for a minute. Rick Spielman. I happened to be on in the press conference for Patrick when he was introduced to the Vikings media, Rick Spielman came on and basically said, <laughs> basically said, we weren't necessarily chasing Patrick. His agent called us and we and asked if we were interested and we were. And so we nailed this down in a matter of a couple hours or whatever, but it's not like, it's not like the Vikings were chasing Patrick Peterson. It doesn't sound like, so I guess like why, so Fitz was waiting around to see where Patrick ended up. And then because it happens to be Minnesota, he'd want to go follow him there. I, I, I think, I think those guys are good friends. I think they played a lot of golf together. I never thought they were attached at the hip quite in that way. Um, and I don't know why you, Paul, of all people, would continue to talk about him possibly playing somebody else because I feel like you've been around him enough that you would be in my ballpark, which is Larry's never going to play anywhere else. He's just not. He that 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 ship sailed a few years ago when he redid his 23 million dollar cap hit that one year when he really could have gotten out of it and he decided to stick around and then things kind of moved on i mean i i think he's committed to doing the whole career in one place thing all valid points 
The only reason, <laughs> the only reason my mind wanders is why don't we have an answer? What, what's the holdup? What is going on exactly? The Vikings need help for Adam Thielen, obviously, after Stefan Diggs moved on. It'd be a heck of a selling card in, in Minnesota to bring Larry home for a final season. I'm wondering if Larry's looking at the receiver room right now and saying, where exactly do I fit? Where do I get my targets? Uh, I'm a historian of the game. Uh, you know what? It'd be kind of cool to go home and finish with the Vikings and put a bookend as to where my career started getting advice from Randy Moss and Chris Carter. I, the fact that Larry hasn't provided an answer, it's created this void in this vacuum that I keep getting sucked into. I, I know I know Kyle wants to say something, but I got a quick say. Boy, you forgot about Justin Jefferson really fast. I mean, the dude was like... <laughs> That's true. Yes. You're right, I did. You're right, I did. But anyways, Kyle? Yes. I, I think that, like Darren said, the, the legacy part of Larry Fitzgerald is seems like an important thing to him where he has said multiple times that he's just going to play in Arizona. He's not going to go to another team, but I, I agree with you, Paul. Like it's not completely out of left field because it's his hometown. He's now a free agent. They're a pretty good team that could be pretty competitive next season. I don't think they're a contender, but you can talk yourself into them being contender. If you're a free agent, like Patrick Peterson probably did. Um, that being said, I, I just don't think that, Larry Fitzgerald would want to do that just because he said long enough that he wanted to stay with the one organization. I mean, he's an, he's an icon in Arizona. Does he want to have any mixed feelings among fans? I think most people wouldn't mind, but there'd be that fraction of people that would feel betrayed that he left the Cardinals. So I don't think it would happen, but there's enough, there's enough there for it to not be a, total cockamamie theory for you, Paul. I, I can see why you'd uh, consider that. Are you giving, you're giving him props. I, I like it. I mean, I, I just think uh, Paul's talking about the void that he has. I gotta, I gotta wonder, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to rip on anybody in your household, Paul, but like, what's the family life going on? What's, what's, <laughs> what's the marriage? Like, how are you, how's your relationship with the kids? If you've got this hole that you need to fill with Fitz conspiracy theories. Well, Darren, you know, I mean, you know, come on, Larry holds a special place in all our lives. I mean, not everybody has a Albertson sign placard from Larry Fitzgerald as to from one of his uh, youth camps. Okay. I, mean, you know, I look at this, you know, every day I see this and I'm like, well, what's going on, Larry? When? Who? Where? How? What's going on? What, what exactly are, are we waiting for right here? So, okay. You just have a huge bucket of props next to you, don't you? Every <laughs> single podcast, it's like five things. Pickaxe, bobblehead, signed photos. Yeah, well, I mean, A.J. Green didn't give any further. A.J. <laughs> Green. He didn't, I mean, A.J. Green gave us nothing. Steve Keim gave us nothing as for Larry. So what, what exactly is going on here? Uh, we have no answers, uh, only speculation, some more responsible than others. And so uh, – you know, we did get one answer, though, this week already. Guess what? Speculation was that Justin Pugh was going to take a haircut, especially after his Instagram picture of getting a haircut. <laughs> and sure enough, that picture spoke it into existence. Did it not, Kyle? Yeah, he's he going to go down in salary, I think, a little bit more than $4 million. And it is a, a straight pay cut, which players do not like taking. I mean, a, a restructure is easy because you get signing bonus 
money basically instead of your salary. So it's actually a plus for you when you do the restructure because you get more money immediately and you get a smaller base salary. So players are more than happy to do that. But when it comes to pay cuts, that's when it gets a little dicey. Tyre Matthew famously didn't want a pay cut when the Cardinals offered it and instead they released him and he went to the Texans. But For less just, money, by the way. I yeah. love you, Tyron, but you ended up getting less money than the Cardinals offered. And that's the thing. Like You sign a contract and from a player's point of view, they think they're going to get every cent that's on that contract. And when they don't, they're understandably upset. And that's why Justin Pugh agreeing to redo the deal and then tweeting out that I did this and I want to, I love Arizona. I want to win a ring here. I mean, that, that says volumes about where he is mentally and it's a good deal for the Cardinals. I mean, it, it hurts Justin Pugh's bank account, no doubt, but from a Cardinals salary cap standpoint and a team building standpoint, now they have a, a good left guard at a more reasonable price. And now they have some more salary cap room, maybe for that cornerback we want. And, and, and I will say in the context of Pew, I mean, that the other thing is, is as I understand it, restructuring a team can just do it because the, the player is losing no money. So they, you don't even have to work with a player to do that. Not, not that a player would ever be upset about it because you're getting more money up front, but the team can just do it and get their cap straight and then, you know, handle it with a player later. In this case, when you're talking about a pay cut, the player has to be on board. And I think that's important when you start talking about this situation, um, you know, there have been times over the years that it's, it's been tough. Our, our good friend, Bertrand Barry, I remember very vividly being at the combine one year. And, uh, and at that time, the Cardinals actually put out a press release saying he had agreed to a pay cut, which they would never do these days. But, um, you know, I don't think Bertrand was all that happy about it, but he did it because he kind of felt like he had to and didn't want to go in the open market. And, and I think Justin coming out right away, which was kind of funny because uh, I was poking around trying to see on some of the websites that cover this stuff and I had seen it uh, and I was in the middle of writing it when I heard from a, both a fan and, and uh, our good friend Mike Jarecki were pointing out that it happened. I said, yeah, I see it. I'm already writing it up. I post it and like within two minutes of me putting it on Twitter, Justin Pugh is putting it out, putting his message out on Twitter. So obviously he's paying attention, which is always good. Um, and, and so I, I think it's great that he wants to be a part of this team and, and understood what the circumstances were. Um, I, I understand players that say, no, I understand players that say, you know what, you want to give me a pay cut. I'd rather be on the open market. But as we've already talked about with about three other positions, be on the, being on the open market, this late after free agency, and it's not even that late, a week plus, is never good in a regular situation, and it's really bad this year with the cap dropping. So, this is this is when you you know you 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 might have to swallow a little pride, understanding that it's still a better deal than you probably find anybody anywhere else, and you get to stay with a team that, in, in Justin's case, I think he's got a nice little niche here. He fits well on the left side with DJ Humphreys. I I do think he played pretty solid football last year. And, and I think it was important for them to keep him. I mean, yeah, he didn't have a lot of options, perhaps, especially at the salary he's still getting. But if the Cardinals would have had to cut him, that, that, that would have been a big hole, in my opinion, that you probably got yourself, as much as you would have improved at center, you might have weakened yourself uh, at guard. Hey, Justin has multiple revenue streams anyways. Part owner of that pizzeria on the East Coast, you know, so. Uh, Tony you know, Bowles. 
That's right. It's just Justin Pugh Incorporated. So, you know, he, he's already setting himself up to be the businessman uh, once, once this all ends. So the, I guess the question becomes, all right, Justin Pugh, uh, who's next? Would a Devon Kennard be uh, in the crosshairs next? I know Jordan Hicks has been speculated upon a little bit, but right now it doesn't appear they would have anyone to fill that void as, uh, you know, as, as the middle linebacker and, and captain of the defense, at least the play caller and sort of brains of the defense. That would be a big loss if he said no and, and they parted ways. Yeah, a lot of it is the dead cap hit part of it because I think Jordan Hicks is going to make $9 million this season, if I'm not mistaken, as far as a cap hit. And if you release him, you only save 3 million of that and you're taking a $6 million hit. So you don't have as much leverage in the Jordan Hicks situation as the Justin Pugh, where you could have saved a considerable amount. Devon Kennard, you can save a, a pretty decent amount. So yeah, I think the Devon Kennard situation is the last one to me on the roster where you look at certain salaries and, and that maybe a, a pay cut or a change makes sense. It all depends on what kind of future you think Devon Kennard brings to this team. I mean, if you want him as a rotational outside linebacker, then you try to keep him. And if he's just going to be a depth guy, then the salary isn't equal to what he's going to bring you on the field. So we'll see where that goes. But yeah, I think Devon Kennard is the one person left when we're looking at the the roster and the cap where you do have that question about, is anything going to happen? You know, I just realized that I may have to swallow hard and absorb the debate this loss, as it turns out. Because one of the other questions in debate this was over under number of new starters on the Cardinals offensive line. The number was two. Kyle went two or less. I went definitely three or four new starters in the O-line. And it appears now I'm going to lose. Uh, let's see here. Left to right, DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, Brian Winters, and Kelvin Beecham. So that would be two new starters. And unfortunately, Kyle is the victor on that one. Darren, help me out. Could uh, anyone beat out anyone that I just named here on that, on that, on that, on that starting offensive line? Unfortunately, the one person I was thinking that could beat somebody out would be uh, Justin Murray beating out Brian Winters at, at right guard, in which case you'd have only one different starter because Justin Murray was starting at the end of last year. So. Oh, no. See, hashtag, it can always get worse. <laughs> You're right. Darren, you were supposed to say Josh Jones is going to beat out Kelvin Beecham for right tackle. And, and, I, and I, do think, I do think they're hoping that he could take that kind of step forward. I think Kelvin Beecham's the kind of player that he's perfect in there because he can start for you if he needs to. And if the rookie comes up and plays really well, Kelvin Beecham will be cool with being the swing tackle and understanding of where he is in his situation to be a team guy. So I, I'm sure they hope jo Josh Jones makes that step forward. But I think as of right now, uh, I think you'd have to at least pencil, lightly pencil Kelvin Beecham. Hard, hey. Maybe, maybe be a little harder with a pencil. I'm not really sure. Does anybody use pencil anymore? Yeah, I'm going to use that pencil and I'm going to put Josh Jones. I'm going to pencil him into the tight end room right now. <laughs> Honestly, they used him quite a bit, right? Is that six offensive lineman sort of blocking tight end at this point? I wonder if that's not what they're thinking to some degree. And, and, and maybe they are. And, and as long as we're going in that direction, we'll put lucky photo at fullback <laughs> and this go jumbo as hell, baby. That's right, the, Aaron Donald, here it comes. You can find blocking tight ends in free agency in the draft. I mean, those guys are among the least premium positions with, like, 
nose tackles and stuff like that. The, the thing the Cardinals need is a move tight end because they don't have Dan Arnold anymore. And do you want a pass catcher there? So unless Josh Jones loses about 50 pounds and improves his 40 speed to like four, six, four, seven, maybe then we've got a tight end until then I wouldn't hold your breath, Paul. I'm not saying he runs the skinny post. I'm not, not put him out on, on third and seven, you know, and to, to run route. I'm just saying, how about Brian winners though? How, how about this Brian winners? And uh, you got to love some of the videos out there where some of his off season training is along the lines of the strongest man competition. I mean, I can't wait when Brian winners, we finally get a chance to, to meet him. I'm going to ask him, do you know Magnus for Magnuson? That is the first question that should be asked of Brian winners when he meets the media. Wait a minute. I feel like that's like the second time we've referenced Magnus for Magnuson on the podcast over like the last couple months. I, what? Darren, are you insinuating there's a bad time to reference Magnus for Magnuson? I mean, honestly. Clearly you've moved on from Chris Streveler on to Magnus for Magnuson. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, the fur coat thing kind of, you know, grew, grew old. And so uh, the next guy most likely to rock the fur coat and the cowboy hat bare chested apparently would be Brian Winters based on the fact there's video of him pulling a truck with a rope as his off-season training. Well, I mean, I, I was doing that the other morning. I don't <laughs> yeah, know what right. the deal is. It's because your battery Ford died. It was, it was a Ford truck. <laughs> good. That's good. That's good. That's right. You're a desert Ford dealers, one of the main partners of the Arizona Cardinals. There, and it was an F-350 in the video, by the way. Ding. <laughs> Go ahead, Kyle. Isn't Magnus for Magnuson an official partner of the Cardinals, too? <laughs> I don't know. Buddy Morris, bring him in as a off-season training specialist. That's what he needs to do. Sort of like Roger Kingdom used to be the speed specialist. Bring in Magnus to be that powerlifting guy. You know, if you need to be able to to powerlift logs and boulders, you bring him in and put him in a Geico commercial. See, what frightens me is if we bring in Magnus for Magnuson, I feel like you're going to try and push Kyle and I out of Cardinals Underground so you can do a podcast with him. And and that's just, I mean, kind of that Mutt and yeah. Jeff kind of look. And I just, I would, you know. Well, now that we're doing over Zoom, I mean, Zoom reaches Iceland. So we can go into Iceland and get Magnus there, you know, live uh, on the podcast. Yeah. Jim Omohundro, please try and figure that out and make that booking if you don't mind. I heard he's a big analytics guy, though. So you're going to get rid of me thinking you're <laughs> off analytics and he's going to come in talking pro football focus all day. No, come on. There, there's nothing more anti-analytics than the brute strength <laughs> of one of the world's strongest men. You know, can you pick up these cement barrels? There's no analytics in that. I'm sorry. A lot of physics involved. He's, <laughs> he's checking the numbers. <laughs> so is Brian Witters automatically your right guard? Because right now, stop me here, Brian Winters, uh, Justin Murray, Josh Jones, Mason Cole and or Lamont Gilliard, you have five potential guys for that position. I know one of those guys, Lamont Gilliard and Mason Cole, is going to be your backup center slash swing guard. But um, I'm guessing when the music stops, there's not going to be enough folding seats left for all five of those guys. No, and you and you realize if you went up into Sean Cooler's office right now and looked at his depth chart, he definitely have a certain and I don't know what it is but he definitely have a certain way he's looking at that position right now even before he's seen everybody I mean I don't think you bring in a Brian Winters um if you don't think he can play at least a little bit now that being said it's a one-year deal it's it's on the back half of of the it's like wave three of free agency so I would guess that you know there's always a chance if something went sideways we've seen that a later veteran gets signed 
and he's kind of a name. We've definitely heard of him. He's got starts in the league. But by the time we get back to the end of, of, uh, of the preseason, it turns out he's not on the team because they want to stay young as long as we're having deep backups or whatever. So you don't know what will exactly happen with Brian Winters. But when you talk about a guy who had nine starts at right guard last year and who started at right guard for the last four or five years with the Jets and the Bills, I mean, that gives you a nice potential option if you decide to go in that direction. All right. So simply put, is Kyler Murray happy? You got Rodney Hudson at center. You got Brian Winters, an established guy known for being physical, known for his pass blocking prowess as well, just like Rodney Hudson, who's given up only 10 sacks in 10 years in the league. Think about that. Average is allowing one sack per season. So is this the upgrade that Kyler Murray has been hinting at during the offseason via Twitter? I think he should be happy. I mean, you look on paper, at least, I think this Cardinals offensive line is a lot of talent. I think DJ Humphreys has morphed into a pro bowl talent. Roddy Hudson is obviously a, a pro bowler. Justin Pugh can play at that level if everything comes together and your right side isn't as good, but you've got some serviceable players there. So I think the Cardinals offensively protection wise did a nice job last season from start to finish. You look at the sack numbers of Kyler Murray and they came way down and I think they have the potential to be better next season and on paper they are better. So, I mean, you're maybe you don't have that Green Bay Packers offensive line of the last several years when Aaron Rodgers could sit back there and eat a sandwich before throwing, but I think you're in a good spot and Kyler Murray has DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. He's got a pretty good offensive line. I mean, I think Christian Kirk in the slot makes a lot of sense. I think he could be a weapon there. So their offense certainly has the talent at this point, I think, to take that leap. And if they don't, I think it's not really a personnel issue at that point, at this point, because I think they have some good players on that side of the ball. Well, the fact that Kyler Murray texted Rodney Hudson right away after the trade went down, according to Rodney Hudson, I, I, I'm going to take that as a double thumbs up from, from the Cardinals quarterback. So right now, Darren, I mean, if, if you're Kyler, your top three receivers are set pending the return of Larry Fitzgerald. And then I guess you're just looking at the tight end spot and running back. I mean, that's what you're looking at. And there's you know, there's, there's no saying that either one of those won't be addressed in the draft. We might be waiting until April 29th to see who exactly that might be in that draft weekend because it's very feasible we don't get another player either one of those positions if we want to just wrap up the offensive side of the ball. Not, I don't think necessarily. I mean, I, there's always that chance. Again, if you're signing some guy to a minimum deal, it can't hurt you. In the offseason, the salary cap is only the top 51 salaries, so – I mean, it's all doable. You know, I, I've said this all along. I mean, we get into the rush of free agency and it, it heats up right before the tampering period. I mean, the, the free agency doesn't start until that Wednesday, but because all these deals are being thrown out there in the media uh, on Monday and Tuesday, people are thinking, you know, what what the hell? You know, why why isn't my team doing this? And, you know, I just, I've been doing this for too long. Let me Let me see what this team looks like in mid-May. Let me see what it looks like after all the free agency and after the draft and kind of how the pieces might look. And even this team, I mean, last year, and I don't, you know, Drake Kirkpatrick wasn't a pro bowler last year, but they got Drake Kirkpatrick in training camp. And I thought, considering they got him in training camp, he was decent. Just like I thought Tremont Williams played really well in 2017. He came in training camp and Eric Winston in 2013 and John Abraham in 2013. And, 
you know, the, the list goes on and on and on. Lyle Sunline came back in training camp one year when they realized, oh, we're two weeks in. Still, this, you know, it's not working at center. Let's bring Lyle Sunline back. So with Steve Kime especially, I'm very leery about saying this roster is done or that it's going to be the best it can be up until we get to the games that count. And we're so far away from that. Uh, I think they've made nice strides and they're in a good place right now, all things considered. And let's see where they go, especially at cornerback. Who was the Carolina running back who ended up signing with Atlanta? Mike Davis, right? Correct. Can, can, I, can I go off on a little bit of a rant here? There seems to be a number of Arizona fans lamenting the loss of Mike Davis to the Atlanta Falcons as if the Cardinals should have made him a free agent priority. You're talking to Wolf too much. Okay. And I honestly haven't heard Wolf say this. He was he in favor of Mike Davis or was he saying pump the brakes on Mike Davis? No, he wanted Mike Davis. He wanted Chris Carson and then he wanted Mike Davis. Okay. Well, Wolf, uh, this is for you then. That week four performance by the Cardinals defense was borderline pathetic. It was the worst performance in a lot of ways all season long, without Christian McCaffrey, Carolina ran for a buck 68. Some of the other numbers, I just looked it up, they're right in front of me. Cardinals D gave up 7 of 11 on third down to Teddy Bridgewater, 8 of 12 on third and fourth down, Carolina converted. They had no sacks. They had three quarterback pressures. Carolina's scoring drives went 13, 9, 10, 8, and 15 plays. They had four drives of 75-plus yards. Time of possession was 37 to 23. The Cardinals' defense was at its worst without Buda Baker in that game. So let's not cite Mike Davis in that game as being some sort of revelation who should have got some Mondo free agent contract from the Cardinals at running back. I'm sorry. I am pumping the brakes on that, and I have no problem him going to another team. I, I did think he was impressive in that game. I mean, he was breaking tackles and doing a nice job, but yeah. I'm with you, Paul. A, I would not pay a Mondo contract to – any running back in free agency, unless it's like Christian McCaffrey or somebody like that. Um, and you look at the body of work, Mike Davis averaged 3.9 yards per carry last season. And I don't want to completely judge a running back on his yards per carry numbers because a lot of that's on the line and what a defense is doing, but it wasn't like this unbelievable number. And Chase Edmonds, who everybody says can't be a featured back and should be a change of pace he basically averaged five yards per carry last season until he played late on that sprained ankle or whatever ankle injury he had. He was kind of running around on one leg out there. So, I mean, if you looked at Chase Edmonds in free agency the last two years and said this guy averaged five yards a carry each year, how excited would people be to add somebody like that? So that's why I just feel like you've got a good piece in Chase Edmonds. Let him play 65% of the time. Sign somebody for the minimum to be your short yardage big back and to get those between the tackle carries. But yeah, I mean, whether it's Mike Davis or one of the other numerous running backs on the market, I wouldn't pay $3 million for a running back. I'd rather pay them the minimum. Would you draft a running back at 16 overall if that running back was Najee Harris, Derrick Henry light? No. Is it Derrick Henry? I would take him if he's Derrick Henry at 16, yeah. Can you guarantee that? That seems to be the comp. Obviously, no guarantees in the draft, but there are a lot of people who are making that comparison to – so if that's the guy – now, Travis Etienne has campaigned openly to go number 16 overall to the Cardinals, and he's very talented, obviously. But to me, I, 
I'd, I'd roll with Najee Harris and that body type in the NFL before I'd go with the Travis ETN at number 16 overall. Here's the thing is like, Kyle's saying, is he Derrick Henry? You called him Derrick Henry light. What does that mean, light? So that means he's not How light. <laughs> he's not as good. Yeah, he's both, not, bo- both, both production and body type, well, not quite Derrick Henry. If but, it's, if it's but Earl Campbell or, or uh, Adrian Peterson or Derrick Henry, I get all those things and I wouldn't mind. But you, you have to be absolutely sure. And I, I thought I, I talked to Daniel Jeremiah when I was doing the Travis Etienne story, uh, and I thought he made a great, great point. Now, the Cardinals are in a different place, but they're not, you know, like he was like, there's always there's always nuance to all of this. Like he said he he wouldn't he generally isn't a big fan of taking a back in the first round. But like where the Cardinals are and where they're set up right now, maybe it makes sense. Now they better there better not be a good cornerback on the board, and they haven't addressed it yet. Then that just tops it. But if they're able to like address cornerback and free agency a little bit, and you you think Najee Harris is a guy who can be Travis uh, or not Travis Henry, Derrick Henry, wrong Henry, wrong running back. Um, if you think he can be like that, then it makes some sense. They're so close that maybe that's the missing piece, especially talking about getting physical. But like his point was like the Giants taking Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley might be the most talented running back. He could, he could be as talented as Adrian Peterson. But the way Jeremiah looks at it is by the time you get your team good, all his best years are behind him. And what's the point? And so the better team, if you're the Bills talking about taking a running back in the 30 or 31 or 32 or wherever they're picking this year, that makes a lot of sense because that's they're a lot closer and that's one of the pieces they they need. And the Cardinals are right in that middle portion right now. And I, I'll be very curious. Like I had no problem with the Cardinals taking Beanie Wells the year that after um, they made the Super Bowl. It was late in the first round. Okay. And, and they – could use a really good running back and quite frankly had Beanie not gotten hurt I think he was a really good running back but the other thing about taking a first round running back is and Derrick Henry got his extension and that's good and he's a really good player but Jeremiah is also like I'm not the guy who pays the running back a second contract he says I run their their legs off in their first contract and there are some you know you have to balance that if you're trying to get a long-term player out of your first round picks Running back ain't going to be that guy. You are going all in now, and you're going to basically lose that first-round pick probably by the time you're four or five years in. Well, that would be akin to what the Cardinals have been doing this offseason, right? That would be in line with what we've seen so far. The time is now. They're not building for three years from now. They're right now in year three with a rookie quarterback and that contract, so – whether it's going 16 overall, whether it's, hey, that Ian Rappaport story 24 hours ago that several teams now are in on Leonard Fournette, wait for it, dramatic pause for effect, what should the Cardinals be in the talks for a Leonard Fournette, that banger, that huge running back who you know can make that difference, especially against stout defenses in this division? I wonder if something like that should be part of the mix. Leonard Fournette, who was once a top five pick, who did not live up to that. So I think that's a part of Darren's point. It's like, yeah, if you get 
Derrick Henry or you get Christian McCaffrey, then it's probably worth it, especially at 16. Like if you're if you're drafting top five, even if you take a star running back from a salary cap perspective, you're already paying that them at like star running back money. So you're not getting any rookie deal value out of it. We're talking so much about a quarterback and how cheap he is on the rookie deal. You don't get that sort of thing with a top five running back, but at 16, they're cheaper. And I agree with you, Paul, like if you're trying to win now and you think running back is a position where you can plug somebody in that can be a difference maker, then that could work. I mean, we saw David Johnson in 2016, was it? And I mean, he was just, an amazing player and he was technically a running back, but he was super valuable to that team. So if you can identify somebody at 16 that has that David Johnson ability to give you that type of production, it's worth it, but it's not a premium position. So if you miss, you missed on a running back instead of missing on a corner that would have been way more valuable if he hit. So that's my issue. The the ceiling is just lower when you draft a running back or an interior lineman or an inside linebacker. These guys have to be great pretty quickly to live up to that draft status. So it all depends on the evaluation and knowing what the premium positions are in the NFL and running back just isn't one of them. And, and for the record, ideally, I'd love to target a running back in round three. A guy who falls, who you can young, fresh legs, you know, you can use and, and plug in almost immediately. We've seen that historically, or go for a guy like Leonard Fournette, but at least it's somewhat of a team-friendly contract long term where you can pull the plug early enough. You might get you know a nice signing bonus and some money up front, but you can get out of it, you know, without having long-term ramifications. That'd be ideally, but at this point, I'm not sure exactly what the Cardinals have in mind. And once again, they're restricted on a number of draft picks and they still have a number of needs. So yeah, they so don't we'll have see. a third round pick Paul. So they're not going to be drafting one in the third round. So what do they have now? They have a first, a first, a second, a fifth and two sevenths. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. What else, what else did we miss here before I asked her some, some advice on how to proceed with a moral dilemma here uh, in the Calvia poly parental unit. Um, you guys ready for my question? We're ready. So I'm picking up the young punk from school and uh, uh, giving his uh, friend a ride home. What was not explained to me in the text message before I picked them up, under protest again, by the way, uh, is that he was wearing a Seahawks jersey. So I wasn't just picking up my son. I was picking up DK Metcalf. And at this point, I'm like, do I really want DK Metcalf in a full – authentic uh, Seahawks jersey, you know, in my car, should there be some parameters, some ground rules for this? Um, I, you know, under no circumstances, young man, do I want to hear the anecdote about DK Metcalf hawking Buda Baker uh, <laughs> at the same time, since it's my vehicle, I can remind you that he only had five catches on 10 targets in the two games last year for under hundred yards receiving you know, I mean, I, I, how should I, should I just have left him at the curb uh, just based on principle alone? I wasn't, I was, I was kind of caught off guard there. And, and Darren, you look like me right now. I was a little stupefied, sort of like you are at the moment. So is this somebody that you know the parents well, or is this just a random person? Yeah, if it was a random person, it would have been instant decision and I would hit the gas and uh, he would have had to use his bus card. Um, but uh, since there is a relationship with the parents, yeah, I had to think it through and the ramifications thereof. So would they, would you, here, here, here would be my first thought would be, 
do you think his parents would have frowned upon perhaps uh, bringing him home as like a, uh, a, you know, helping him come home, but having him jog alongside the car on the side outside where he's not actually running? Do you think they would have an issue with that? Where you, where you, you just kind of lead him home, but he's yeah. not actually in the car? You know, the kid's a hockey player. He could use the cardio. I mean, I'm just thinking this through right now. He's probably a fighter. He probably would have popped me one, actually, to be honest with you, And uh, now that I think about it. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's there, there's pluses and minuses in that scenario, Darren. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, See, the problem is, is your kid's old enough. You're getting, I mean, we used to hear on the radio all the time this, this like, decades-old clip of, like, your four-year-old son, and he's not four anymore. So, like, his friends right. are probably taller than you now, maybe? Oh. All that hurts. Uh, it's not untrue. It just hurts. Um, you know, yeah, there's, there's, so there's, I don't, I don't want you getting yeah. beat up by this dude in the Metcalf jersey. Then, then not only do we have like the Baker getting hawked by DK Metcalf, but like a DK Metcalf impersonator beating up Paul Calvisi, sideline reporter of the Cardinals, then, then the narrative just grows and grows. I mean, I've had to endure 17 years of nastiness from the 12s on the Cardinals sideline. I don't want it in my car. Is that so wrong, Kyle? <laughs> You guys are building up this kid to be like DK Metcalf light and like this humongous kid. What, what age are we talking about here? All that's going through 14. my mind. He's old? 14. He's old enough to know better. All I'm thinking of <laughs> this poor 14 year old kid with ties to Seattle, just trying to get into this car and get a ride home. And this, your friend's dad is just peeling yeah. out and flipping yeah. you the bird or something as he leaves. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling bad for the kid in this scenario. Would. Yeah, I, I don't want to be one of those sports dads. So I gave him a ride home. I gave him a ride home. You know, that's that's the end that's, of the story. It's probably the right move. Probably. It, it, it's not yeah. bad to explore your options here on Cardinals Underground. So. Yeah, that's why I ask because it's still kind of vexing. And I'm still kind of asking myself, you know, one of those things where you wake up at three in the morning and you wonder if you made the right move, you know. So, uh, you know, it's good. I just thought I'd weigh in, get a little advice, life advice here on Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals.